What's up? How's everybody feeling? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the show right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you on a game night. It will be Sacramento Kings basketball, the second night of a back-to-back for the Kings as tonight they welcome in the New Orleans Pelicans. There's a ton of news across the world of sports that we're going to get into today. We've got several guests as well, so lots to set up before we get you to First things first, again, at the end of the show at 5.30, we'll have game night. Scott Marsh, the high flyer, Henry Turner, will have that right at Golden One Center. Then uh, be back with the G-Man and Henry for Kings Live pregame at 6.30, tip-off at 7 for the Kings and the Pelicans. Between now and then, not only first things first, coming up here in a moment, but we are going to have our weekly visit with Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider, and certainly a lot of uh, heavy stuff to talk about with Lincoln because of the the terrible, terrible situation with Henry Ruggs, a loss of life there, and just the story's getting worse as more and more details come out about that. Uh, we also will check in with Daniel Salerson, who is the uh, New Orleans Pelicans pre-half post-game host, also radio analyst. He'll be in the building tonight for the Kings and the Pelicans, but we'll catch up with him to talk about this New Orleans team, which has struggled, but last night played in Phoenix, led by 20 at one point ultimately to lose, uh, but we'll catch up with him. That should be around 4.30. And then at 5 o'clock, our weekly visit with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, as uh, we look forward to catching up with him and all the latest in the first playoff rankings in college football. A ton of NFL news, not only with the trade deadline, but the news that we're going to get to here momentarily. So uh, all that is coming up today between now and 5.30. But with that said, let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, last night, the Sacramento Kings in Utah to close out the road trip, and very similar to the first time they played, about five minutes to go, a one-possession game. Well, here's how it sounded last night. Donovich cuts through. Here comes a screen from Gobert. Gobert rolls to the post. Pass goes to Royce O'Neal. Great defense by Tyrese Halliburton. He smothered a shot attempt as they were running out of time on the deep left wing. Here's the Kings' chance to regain the lead. Halliburton backs out with the dribble, keeps it alive, now gets a screen from Holmes, rolls hard right, leaves his feet, feeds a pass inside, it's missed, but put back, Holmes gets the bucket, Kings on an 11-1 to run after trailing by nine, have regained the lead at 102-101. to Mike Conley, who's hit six three-pointers tonight, measuring for space against Buddy Heald, screen from Gobert, now he drives, finds the seam, floater up with the left hand, he's got another one, Mike Conley, a terrific ball game. Got himself a season-high 30. His career high is 40 when he played for the Memphis Grizzlies. The inbounds pass, the horn sounds, and this one is over. And Utah has now beaten the Kings six straight times. They've defeated them 15 of the last 17 meetings. They outscore Sacramento in the last five minutes, 18-11. to 11. Despite that, the Kings got back, Jason, to within two at 115-113, and there was still actually more than a flicker of hope. All right, as we mentioned, it was very similar to the first matchup. Right in the final five minutes in the first matchup, the game was tied. Jazz finished strong. Last night, five minutes to go, the Kings were up by one in Utah. And we're going to dive into this game a little bit more throughout the show, but I was thoroughly pleased with the way the Sacramento Kings played yesterday. I know this league, and everything is evaluated by wins and losses. And yes, I get it. The Sacramento Kings lost last night. 
Um, the Sacramento Kings showed me a lot of things yesterday. I've told you, I think the Utah Jazz are the best team in the West. I think the Utah Jazz are winning the NBA Finals, the way things are constructed today. Granted, trades could happen, injuries and all that. But assuming it's laid out the way it is right now, I am a firm believer that this is the best team in the NBA. And they did exactly that last night. The Kings played like a team. They, you look down the box score, you watch the game, they had contributions from just about everybody. And yes, I too would like a lot more from De'Aaron Fox. But they had a balanced attack. Uh, areas where they got exposed, they got crushed on the boards. They watched two very good, well, three all-stars, really, for Utah have big games in their building, the team with the best record, and the Kings had a chance to win. So every game this year for Sacramento has been very, very similar where they've either had a lead in the fourth quarter and watched it shrink in a close game or been in a game and ultimately just had bad execution at the end. I think if there's one thing this team's King, Kings team can do and change as quickly as possible – would be to get themselves in more transition situations. They're a top five transition team. They're a bottom 10 half-court team. And generally, when you get down to the last five minutes, games slow down. They bog down. More plays are called. More design sets. That's not the area of strength. Or what it could be as area of strength is go to your one guy that can kind of create his own stuff, and that's De'Aaron Fox. So De'Aaron's shooting struggles continue. And with all of that, this team is competitive every night. They're just better. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody can watch this team and not think this is a better basketball team through seven games. Now, we'd like to see seven more and seven more on top of that to make even grander judgments. But my preseason thought about this team being a playoff team hasn't changed. Uh, winning over 500 and getting to 44-plus wins hasn't changed. Uh, it's just been reassured to me. I like the balance of the roster. I like the way they play. I like their compete level in every game. There's attention to details. That's a lot what Coach Walton talked about in the postgame last night is the the losing right now for them is in the details, the little things. Guards got out-rebounded yesterday. You expect Gobert to get 20 and Whiteside to have a big night. Kings guards didn't rebound as well. Um, but, you know, like the Dallas game that they lost on Sunday, didn't think they played particularly well, but most of it is the reflection of how poorly they shot. Well, in the past, this team would shoot poorly and have no chance to win a game. I think they defended. I think there's an intensity level there. I think they believe they should win. Um, This is the kind of stuff that builds habits of good teams. I think they're doing it. I think we're witnessing it in front of our eyes. But what now you have to do is a night like tonight when they get New Orleans. You you can't go backwards. I mean, I think if the Kings play like they did last night against the Utah Jazz, they win a lot of games, home or road, a lot. And that's with De'Aaron not playing at his best. So... I'm more of a glass half full guy, obviously. I'm I'm much more optimistic, but I'm also not trying to be seeing this through purple colored glasses. I th- I like what I am seeing. I think this team is doing very good things, and they have to continue to do it. And if they continue to do it with these same kind of building block principles, while certain guys struggle with their shots, that's going to be better in the long term for this team. So, yes, a loss last night in Utah. Yes, they've played the best team twice already. And, oh, by the way, they see him a third time here in about two weeks. Um, they're, in, they're in good position right now through seven games at three and four. Yes, below 500. They don't have a home win yet, but hopefully that changes tonight. Uh, I do like what I saw and did like what I saw last night from the Kings in Utah. First things first. First things first. first. All right, next up. Kings and Pelicans, what we were just talking about. Tonight at home, second night of a back-to-back. 
No home wins yet. A four-game homestand. Some games on paper, whatever that's worth, that look more favorable. Ignore all that. doesn't matter who's, that Zion's not playing. Brandon Ingram being questionable. All the things that New Orleans, all these injuries they have. The fact that you beat them last week, uh, just a few days ago. In fact, let's listen back to how it went last Friday in New Orleans. 94-88, two-possession game. Fox at the free-throw line, 15-footer, money. De'Aaron Fox, big bucket right there. Now 8 of 19 from the floor. He has 19 points. 345 and counting in the fourth quarter. It's 96 to 88. Here's Tyrese open. 18-footer left angle. Splash. Tyrese Halliburton. He's had some big buckets here in the fourth quarter for the Kings. Halliburton's now up to 15 on the game. And the Kings lead at 105-95. It's going to be 113 to 109. And that's it as the Kings inbound. Look up at the scoreboard and savor the fact that they've played three road games. They've won all three. They will have two more opportunities on this trip as they head to Dallas and to Utah before returning for the rematch with the Pelicans next Wednesday. So, yes, factual, they did beat the Pelicans. Another game that it was a battle down to the end, but a win. And the Kings, to the moment, still have a tied for the league lead in road wins. Now they're one of the few teams that doesn't have a home win. That's an opportunity tonight with this four-game homestand. But you got to start with the first one and the Pelicans. Second out of a back-to-back, New Orleans last night, led by 20 at one point in Phoenix, ultimately to lose. They don't have their full personnel. They're putting different pieces into place right now. But Valanchunas, Devontae Graham, Garrett Temple, there's more than capable people of beating the Kings if you don't pay attention to your own details. But if Sacramento plays with the same kind of defensive intensity, offensive execution at times, knocks down shots, this should end up being a good night for the Kings. I think it's that simple. If they play well, they will win. I, I don't know that I could break it down any more simply than that, but you've got to have all the, the – like the good teams bring out a sharp focus in Sacramento. Maybe the Kings looked at Dallas and went, okay, yeah, they got Luka, but Porzingis isn't playing. They just weren't as sharp, and it wasn't just as missing shots. They just didn't see and look as sharp as they did last night to me in Utah. I would love to see a night where De'Aaron Fox gets cooking. I mean, that, that would be the most welcome thing for this team. Maybe even a night where the bench gets extended a little bit more. Played heavy minutes last night for the top eight guys, really seven. So does this extend out to Tristan Thompson? Um, certainly Marvin Bagley, Chemezi Metu. Who knows how far it goes out? Terrence Davis didn't play last night. I'm, I'm still waiting for his, you know, five to six three-pointer game. It's coming. It's coming. Hopefully tonight. So Kings and Pelicans tonight. We're going to have more on this, too, with Daniel Salerson. will join us at 430, gives us a little more perspective on what's going on right now with New Orleans because look where they are right now. It's so early, and people are a little bit, I don't know how many people are that bothered by the Kings at 3 and 4, but people are bothered about New Orleans where they are, which is one win right now. And with Zion still being two to three weeks out, um, you're not eliminated, but you're getting yourself pretty far behind, even on a team that was a fringe playoff-type team anyway. So Kings, Pelicans tonight, and you'll have it right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. First things first. Well, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. I could not have been more wrong about almost all of the playoff series. I thought the Astros would win in five. Instead, it's the Braves in six. He attacks and smokes one to deep left. This one's going supersonic. That is out of the ballpark. Whoa! Over the 
train tracks. It's 3-0 Atlanta. And Jorge Soler lands the first punch here in the top of the third inning. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. The Atlanta Braves have won the 2021 World Series in six games over the Houston Astros. Pure euphoria down on the field as they're bouncing all over the infield and in the booth. Celebration going on on the field, and folks, this is what dreams are made of. And for the 2021 Atlanta Braves, the dream has come true. They are world champions in 2021. What an incredible moment and a wonderful time for all of them. Well, the best part about this to me about baseball is, and we joke about it a lot of times, is the celebrations. Is, you know, when you clinch, when you win the advance of the wild card, when you advance the next series, when you get to the championship series, when you get to the World Series. Well, the last celebration is the best one. And for Brian Snitker and the Atlanta Braves, it was quite a ride. These guys never gave up on themselves. We used a lot of guys. We lost a lot of a lot of pieces over the course of the summer. And it was just the next man up. I mean, it was these guys never stopped believing in themselves. They never stopped working. Our coaching staff, my God, I got the I got a rock star coaching staff that made, you know, that made sure these guys stay consistent every day. And they always played the game the way you're supposed to play it and with a lot of emotion and give themselves a chance to be here on this stage right now. This whole time I was thinking about the Braves without Acuna when he got hurt. Felt like their season was done. And maybe they don't win this without that. As crazy as that sounds, but they went and got a few extra bodies as the season went along, guys that contributed. But a guy that's been there through the long haul, uh, I always think about him when I think about Atlanta, is Freddie Freeman. Just a great baseball player. Has had good uh, last year's postseason experience. But this time to break through, what a highlight it was for him. I think the most gratifying thing is this team, we hit every pothole, every bump you could possibly hit this year. Injuries, every single kind of thing that could have happened, that could go wrong, went wrong. And we overcame every single one of those things. This group, we came every single day, prepared and worked and worked and worked. And we ended up November 2nd, world champions. Now for everybody that wins, there's someone on the other side. That's the tough side. I told you going into this series, the only thing I even had a partial rooting interest in was Dusty Baker. I don't really care for the Astros per, uh, per se, uh, but did think they'd win the series. And Dusty's my guy. I like Dusty Baker. Always have been a big fan of him. He's been such a wonderful person. Has been talked to him many times on the radio, uh, out at the arena. Just a wonderful human being. I root for people like that. He's one of those guys. And here's typical Dusty, pretty classy in defeat. Go back to work at, because you see how long this road is to get to this point. So we just got to come back and... Uh, do just a little bit more. It's tough, big time. And, uh, you know, if they played, uh, they played great. We couldn't keep them in the ballpark, and we walked somebody, and then, you know, that's what led to, you know, the crooked number of innings. Uh, their pitching shut us down. First, I'd like to, above all, just say congratulations to Brian Snitger and the, and the Braves and, and the town of Atlanta. I mean, he's right in the first part. You just have to go back to work. I mean, it's it stinks. It stinks to be that close, to see a potential parade, they needed two more wins. I thought they might force a game seven, which would be fun. But game six, pretty anticlimactic. That home run early by Soler and then just kept adding on. Seven nothing shutout. Braves get the World Series. Uh, maybe a little bit unlikely. I mean, I, I think back to the beginning of the postseason. I told you in the American League, the teams that I liked, I really thought Tampa would come out of the American League, but I thought the Yankees were more than capable. Houston was a team I thought to watch for, but I didn't didn't think they could get to the 
the grand prize there. In the National League, the team I actually picked was Milwaukee, but I thought the Dodgers or the Giants could really do it. And the Dodgers are just so talented. And here's Atlanta. Here's Atlanta getting through and getting it done. It's awesome. So good for them. You know, they had all those years where they were one of the best teams in baseball and came away with one World Series. And they weren't the best team in baseball this year. They were now at the right time at the end. And so the baseball season comes to an end that gave us, if you think back to the year, I mean, the Giants season, which was really unheard of. Uh, all the no-hitters. Um, Shohei Otani, his season. And now all these free agents that are up for grabs. Hopefully we don't have a work stoppage because baseball does not need that. Um, pretty good postseason. And congratulations to the Atlanta Braves, the last team standing and the winners of this uh, World Series this year. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. first. All right, there's lots of football news today, and we're going to get into some of this, uh, whether it's with Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock or at 5 o'clock with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. But the Packers, yesterday I gave you my top five, bottom five. I had Green Bay at number two, and I was so impressed with what they did last week, beating Arizona with losing their top three wide receivers, all due to COVID. Well, the news today is Aaron Rodgers is now out. He's on COVID protocols. Now, Aaron Rodgers, and there's going to be more on this as the uh, story develops, but Aaron Rodgers had was asked, and you know it's not a question you have to answer, but he chose to answer back in the summer when he was asked about his thoughts on the vaccine and if he was vaccinated. He kind of looked down, shook his head, saying yes, and basically said, yeah, I'm immunized. Okay, well, I don't know exactly how... All of the details have happened, but you don't have to be vaccinated. You just have to follow all of the protocols uh, that are now set by the NFL, like separate you know, meals, separate um, conference rooms for meetings and all that kind of stuff. It's just they're making it very difficult for players that choose not to be vaccinated. Bottom line is he is now going to be out. He's not going to play this weekend in a game against the Chiefs. Uh, the Packers have won games without key players, but it's really tough to win without Aaron Rodgers, and this gives an opportunity to the Chiefs I mean, this is a game that's going to be great. Mahomes versus Rodgers. But now he is out. It's going to open up some of the questions of the Packers, which, look, here's the point. A lot of times, star players get preferential treatment. With COVID, that can't be the case. It just can't. That's non-negotiable. You can get preferential treatment as far as practice and showing up and different things like that. That's just the way of the world, unfortunately, whether we like it or not. Star players have always had preferential treatment. But in this case, COVID's not selective. And this one, you can't have preferential treatment. You've got to follow these NFL guidelines. And if the Packers truly have, okay. I mean, COVID can hit anybody, even if you're vaccinated. But in this case, um, I'm anxious to see more of the details in this. But certainly Aaron Rodgers will be missed and out because of COVID-19. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First. We've got wide receiver news. I told you there's a lot of NFL news today here on First Things First. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. not practicing today. Cleared not practice, but apparently his agent is talking to the front offices of Cleveland. And yes, he wasn't traded yesterday. I know as much as he wanted to be and pushing for that. I don't know what the next steps are going to be, but it just feels like this has run its course. It hasn't been the greatest fit for him in Cleveland. And I would not be surprised if this is going to end quickly here for the Browns and Odell Beckham. Michael Thomas, kind of a secret weapon, just waiting for the Saints. Here are the Saints at 5-2. and two. They get bad news last week after a great win of beating the Buccaneers that Jameis Winston is done for the season with a torn ACL. But lurking in the horizon was going to be their leading receiver. Michael Thomas was going to be coming back 
until now. Well, it sounds like he had a setback, had another ankle injury. He is now going to be done for the season. So last year was a, a down year for him based on injury. This year, an incomplete year, and the Saints are going to go a full season without Michael Thomas. Also, the 49ers are hoping to get Debo Samuel back. He uh, was apparently not practicing today. Kyle Shanahan had said there would be hopes that he would get back in action uh, maybe as uh, soon as tomorrow or the next day to be ready for Sunday's game. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. All right, this one's not an easy story to talk about. We told you yesterday when we told you about Henry Ruggs and the details uh, about what we were getting at that time. The most important detail here is that Henry Ruggs' poor decision-making cost someone their life. And I'm not telling you to go read more about the story because it's not a feel-good for sure. It's it's tough. But the details that came out today, wow. Uh, last night, just to add more of what, since we finished our show yesterday, the Raiders have released Henry Ruggs. Uh, they didn't even wait for any more information, or maybe they got some of this that before we were privy to it. Um, reports today that not only was he carrying a loaded gun in his car, he was twice the legal limit of blood alcohol level. And the staggering one, not that those aren't staggering enough, but he was reportedly speeding at 156 miles per hour. It's heart-wrenching when you read some of the details of the story. Apparently, in the collision, he had slowed, and I'm doing air quotes here, slowed to 127 on impact when he hit the young woman in her car. Uh, Reportedly, those that were on the scene that were trying to save her said she was still alive when the crash finally came to a stop, and they went hundreds of feet. Um, Just awful, awful, but could not get out of the car, and ultimately the fiery crash cost her her life, her her dog's life as well. But we lost a human's life for a terrible, terrible decision. And it's a reminder, 200,000, 2 million, whatever it is, about drinking and driving. And for Ruggs, it's a decision that's going to change his life, uh, certainly cost someone's life, changed families and others, and just it's awful, absolutely awful. And now this will go to, to the courts and ultimately get decided there and what happens with him and what kind of punishment, and certainly it'll be a pretty uh, swift one and lengthy one, you got to believe. Uh, a lot of violations there uh, ex- by beyond excessive speeding, more than double the speed limit, more than double the blood alcohol level, and certainly taking someone's life that didn't have to happen. So um, it's more than a PSA. I mean, look, people are allowed to have fun. People are allowed to drink. Just be responsible. There are ways to get so many ways now, right, to get other people to pick you up, to stay put, um, this didn't have to happen, and it's a young athlete, probably feeling larger than life, has a lot of the the great things, you know, well paid, a gift, and the gift of life is the most precious thing we have, and it was taken, and it didn't have to be, and it's just, it's painful. It's a painful, painful story, and uh, we are going to talk to a Lincoln Kennedy about this because the Raiders have been through a lot. Now, John Gruden, keep in mind, his life is still here. I mean, he he, had, he has to go through stuff personally, but he's still living. This young woman is not. She was 23. Just 23. Man, absolutely awful. All right, last thing here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, the last one, college football's playoff rankings. The first one released. And this is where, I don't know how long you've listened to me for. I've been on this station for 27 years. And I have had a problem with rankings basically my whole life. And most of it's with the preseason rankings. 
So when you get a committee that, you know, probably takes that into effect, but not that's that's not the end all be all. Right. They're looking at the totality of strength of schedule. Um, you know, what are your losses? What are your quality wins? I mean, they're putting some time in this. And you want this to feel right. It doesn't feel right. It's it's not all wrong, but it's not all right either. And I'm a Pac-12 homer. I will I will go for that conference at all times, but I don't think Oregon should be in the top four. I'm glad they're above Ohio State, who they defeated, but Oregon has a bad loss to an unranked Stanford team. Whereas Michigan is, or Oklahoma, who hasn't lost, is eighth. Let's work our way from the top ten. All right, Notre Dame, ten. Wake Forest, undefeated at nine. Oklahoma, eight, who I think is a good team and it was a preseason, perceived to be a top four team. They haven't lost. They haven't looked great, but they haven't lost. Michigan is seven with a loss just this last weekend. Cincinnati, who is perfect and is one of those teams not in those power five conferences that is sitting out there at six that just needs carnage to happen above them for their chance to get in. Ohio State, five. Oregon, four. Michigan State, three. Alabama's two. Georgia's one. I think Georgia is the best team. I think Alabama is the second best team. I wouldn't have no problem with Alabama being lower, but that's fine. It's just Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to need help. And based on probably where they started before the year, based on what people think about that division, based on their conference, based on how others elevate their own conferences, um, it would feel better with a bigger playoff pool, eight or 16. There'll be debates on the fringes of 16 or eight, but this, you know, giving the five power conferences an automatic bid and then getting the rest just feels right. And you hope college football can ultimately get to that agreement because this debate will happen. And it's a week nine debate right now. It's going to change. Some of these teams will lose. So hopefully it sorts itself out, but certainly gets enough people agitated uh, with that first college football rankings here this far in into week nine of the season. All right, so we've just begun here on the show. As we said, it's loaded. We'll reset all that football news with Aaron Rodgers, um, with Chris Landry. Uh, He will join us also. We'll talk about these college football rankings. He joins us at 5. Tonight's game, the Kings and the Pelicans. Let's talk more about that with Daniel Salerson, New Orleans Pelicans pre-half and post host, also radio analyst. He will join us at 4.30 and at 4 o'clock. More on how the Raiders get ready for the Giants this week with the news about Henry Ruggs. Not only that... I mean, obviously what he personally has gone through, um, certainly the life that's lost, but the Raiders, I mean, that's their locker room teammate, their friend, someone that's been on their roster that his whole life has changed for a terrible decision, and they have to go out and play football this week. Um, we'll talk to Lincoln about that, too. I mean, just but the most important thing to remember is a, a, just a senseless act. We did not have to lose a life here, but we did. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more about that Kings game last night. What I liked, what still needs to work on. Kings look good against the Jazz, but it was a loss. We'll reflect on that when we return as we're just getting started here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Right back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Joe rolling right along here. Golden One Center where tonight it's the Kings and the Pelicans. And uh, so much to cover in our in our previous segment. We again, like we said, we're going to have Lincoln Kennedy joining us here at four. Uh, Daniel Salerson from the Pelicans Radio Network pre half post. Also, the radio analyst will be joining us at four forty five. Before we get to Chris Landry at five, so we got a busy busy show. We uh, capped the season yesterday with the Atlanta Braves winning 
the World Series in six games, taking out the Astros. We kind of covered that in first things first. But news uh, coming out that tomorrow there's going to be an announcement where three-time World Series champion Buster Posey is expected to announce his retirement. What a career. What a great career. And Buster was one of the few players that opted to not play last year. He had the other season in his career where he had the injury to his knee that he missed a full season. Um, But, you know, he is just one of the great giants of all time, a great person. And, you know, when when something like this gets, well, tomorrow will officially be announced, but it's being leaked today. Um, I think of all the people in this area, one that are Giants fans, but I bet a decent amount of them, their favorite player is Buster Posey. And I've seen a few people commenting, you know, when you're when you're now getting old enough to see your favorite players retire, well, get used to that. That's going to happen a lot more for, for those of you that uh, that are younger fans. Um, but think about it this way, too. Did you see his entire career? That's pretty cool. I mean, there's going to be legends in the games that um, you won't know about or you'll know about but maybe never saw play. And that's one of the things when we – you know, certainly when Doug was with me or in other shows I've been on, when we get into that time of year where we're making lists or comparing greatness, um, there's people that deserve to be on those lists. But uh, one of my criteria is I, I will acknowledge that, you know, if we're talking NBA, for example, that Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson and Wilt Chamberlain, all fantastic players. I never saw them play. doesn't mean they weren't great, but I can only go off in my assessment of who I've seen. Now I see their stats. Um, I do like to believe you put them in today's day and age, they'd still be very good players, maybe great players. I think people have gotten bigger, stronger, faster, and even this next group of players that are doing that in 25 years from now, 30 years from now, um, will probably even have bigger, stronger, faster athletes, even then doing just more amazing things. But the point on Buster, um, awesome career, great giant. I'm glad he didn't kind of, if he feels like he's done, um, didn't string it along and um, play for some other random teams. You know, he's always going to be thought of as one of the great giants of all time, just a, a terrific career. And uh, we'll have any kind of other reaction or announcements or comments from him once that official press conference looks like it might be sometime tomorrow uh, for Buster Posey. So congrats to him and uh, the Giants on really a great season. He was a big part of that. I thought it might go a little longer than it did, but uh, probably uh, I bet this last season was as much fun for him as uh, he's ever been involved in. And that's even in his other uh, stellar all-star World Series type years as well. All right, so tonight, Kings and Pelicans. We'll talk a little bit more about this coming up in our next segment. But I wanted to kind of go back to what our lead story was on First Things First, the Kings and Jazz last night. And, you know, I, I said it in First Things First, and I, I really going to reiterate it and, and kind of hopefully punctuate it on what the Kings did last night. So Sacramento goes into a place where Utah, I think, is, if not the most difficult place to play, Oh, certainly one of them. But I think right now it might be the most difficult place to play because of the way Utah plays. I mean, this is a, a two-way team. They're good offensively, very good at three-pointers. They're very disciplined, uh, as we've talked forever about how they just won't let you advance in fast breaks and get easy points, which is a strength of the Kings. So they're trying to take that away. Uh, certainly going under screens constantly last night, taking that away from De'Aaron Fox, where you're trying to take away his superpower of – the quickest guy on the floor, and De'Aaron hasn't been able to kind of crack that code. The way to do it is to start hitting jump shots. Well, he's not doing that. Uh, they got out-rebounded drastically in the game, had some foul issues in the game, and with five minutes to go, they were ahead by one. You also had a game where their best player, Donovan Mitchell, goes off. I mean, his third quarter was incredible. Um, Mike Conley was terrific. 
and Gobert goes for another big double-double with 20 rebounds. Throw in 20 from Bogdanovich, and to me, that's a night. That's that's a long night in Utah. That's a Remember last year when they lost to Utah like 154 to 106? That could have been one of those kind of nights. But this team's compete level is great. Uh, the balanced attack that they had, I mean, they found other people that were keeping them in this game. The rookie, Davion Mitchell, who's out here going through warm-ups right now, was great. Uh, Barnes continues to have his stellar season. You had Rashawn Holmes in his constant production with yet another double. The starting five all in double figures, even with a miserable night from De'Aaron Fox. And then the bench was great. Buddy Heald continues to really handle that bench role very, very well. Gets another game where I thought he was going to get 20 right there on the heels at 19. And I took way more positives out of this game than anything. Now, you're measured on wins and losses. It's another loss. But through seven games and two against the Jazz, this team is three and four. And I think there's more things to look at it and say, again, you're trying to make a decision right now on where this Kings team is going. Are you more positive on an outlook or negative? The biggest negative that's jumping out right now is the play of De'Aaron Fox. That's their best player. And other teams' best players, when they struggle, generally, they struggle. And I don't look at the Kings as really struggling right now. There's things that are missing, mainly Fox. But at 3-4, and four, with some good wins, especially on the road, let's remind you, right now tied for the most road wins in the league at 3. It's not like it's some grand number, but they've done that. Navigated a pretty tough portion of the schedule. They've yet to have a back-to-back. That's tonight, the first time they're going through that. And that's another way to handle the grind, handle the journey. Now, so is New Orleans. They probably got in a little bit later last night than the Kings. Kings game finished earlier than uh, the Jazz game in, in uh, excuse me, than the Suns game in Phoenix. So I'm sure the Kings got home a little bit sooner, whatever that's worth. But they've seen New Orleans. They played them last week. And I just think this team needs to continue to do the building blocks that it's been put in place. And that is a team that's emphasized defense more. They certainly haven't mastered it. But we're talking about a team last year, remember, was historically bad. One of the worst defenses for three quarters of the season that the league had, the team had, and this league had. Now, numbers are down across the league, and the Kings are part of that. Uh, I think they're 24th in team defense right now. Not a great number, but that's an improvement. Offensively, transition, they're really good. A half court's not their strength. This team will shoot threes, hopefully continue to make free throws even a little better than they are. And when they play these other lineups, if they can rebound. Last night they got crushed on the boards, absolutely dominated, almost out-rebounded by themselves by Gobert and Whiteside. 32 boards with those two guys to 38 by the Kings. Jazz ended with 59. So you think about all the things that were kind of going against them, and yet they had a chance to win the game. Coach Walton's post-game analysis, his thought was, right now they have to figure out the details of the game. That's his phrasing right now. That's what's costing the team. And what are some of the details of the game? Well, last night, rebounding collectively, but really the guards, the, the play that was just, to me, one of the eyesores of the game. It was one moment, but kind of captures that. Donovan Mitchell took a top-of-the-key three, missed it, ran in, and got the rebound by himself in traffic amongst other guards, and then went back and laid it in. That's the kind of thing that can't happen. I mean, it just can't. 50-50 balls, the Kings compete for them. They didn't get them all. Uh, late in the game. Kings were getting to the line. That's important. They weren't awful from the line, but there was a sequence where Barnes went one of two and Fox went one of two. 
Little details. You go two for two there at that time. You know, in the end, when they're down five, maybe they're down three. They create that great trap. Uh, they get a steal. I mean, these set up different situations for time and score and opportunities to win the game. And so those are the little details I think that coach is talking about that they're just kind of missing on, that are right there on the fringes, that start to get you into a much higher level of a consistent team and actually have a really good team. And if you just played a Jazz team that is cooking, that has only lost one game this year, and the game they lost was when Mike Conley sat out. And you had a 30-point game from Conley, 36 from Mitchell, 20 from Bogdanovich, and a 12-point, 20-rebound game from Gobert in their building, and you had the lead with five minutes to go. It's not about the moral victories. What I'm painting is the broader picture of this team is better. They've gotten better, and now they need to keep going at it and keep improving. You know during the season there are going to be letdown nights. It, this one can't be tonight. It just can't because you, you, you would have lost then three in a row. You're trying to avoid those kind of things. You can maybe put your finger on the Dallas game and say, ah, just a weird shooting night. All right. I thought they played really well last night. I think they would have beaten a lot of teams in the NBA the way they played last night. Just wasn't the Jazz. You play like that last night, tonight, you're beating the Pelicans. So let's not have tonight be the night that the Kings, for whatever reason, regress. The compete level needs to be there. If the shots go, take advantage of a team that doesn't have Zion Williamson and has plenty of other players hurt. This is a game you need to get yourself back to 500 and get that first home court win of the season. All right, more on this game coming up. Again, we will talk about it with Daniel Salerson at uh, 430. And Lincoln Kennedy joins us at 4. It's the Kings and the Pelicans. We've got much more to get to right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Coming to you from Golden One Center, where tonight it is the Kings and the Pelicans. Second matchup of the year already between these two teams. As uh, Sacramento won last Friday in New Orleans, had to kind of hang on to win. Uh, Word on this game. First off, let's talk about New Orleans, where they are at this point. I mean, this team is just the one win, seven losses, right? So they're one and seven through their first eight. And there's got to be so much frustration, concern, um, trepidation, really, about Zion. We had told you a couple of weeks ago that he was two to three weeks out from his next evaluation. Well, that evaluation happened the other day, and now he's listed as two to three more weeks away from returning. And this team is just one and seven right now. And they have not had Brandon Ingram the last couple of games. Officially, he is listed as questionable, but he's been questionable the last couple of nights. This is just game two of their four-game road trip. They'll be at uh, in San Francisco on Friday, and then they'll have one more game to close out the trip. So if he didn't play last night, my guess is he's not playing tonight. That's not certain. If you're the Kings, you got to assume he goes. They're better with him, without question. Um, but Zion's out. Uh, Herbert Jones, who had been in the starting lineup, actually a nice player for them, uh, he is out. He got hurt in the game last night. He's in concussion protocol after getting hit in the head by his own teammate, Jonas Valanciunas. So um, this team is down right now. And then you look at what they've done statistically. Where can the Kings take advantage of some things? What did I say yesterday would be the keys to beating the Utah Jazz? One of them, to me, that whole game was about execution. 
And the Kings, for a lot of the game, executed pretty well. It was the last five minutes that needed to be just a little bit sharper on both ends. And Utah's ability to get their offense in a more favorable situation than the Kings could was a big difference. And what I mean by that is they could get Mike Conley in pick and rolls or Donovan Mitchell in pick and rolls. And because the Kings size or lack thereof, um, a lot of times that switch would put Gobert down low, either in a great rebounder position or, you know, going under screens and leaving Conley open. And he was just a sniper, a sharpshooter. I mean, Conley's just so smooth with the basketball and had his best game of the season. So the Kings weren't unable to do that more often than the Jazz were last night. So tonight, you hope you're not in a game like that. What New Orleans is not as good at is certainly Utah. They give up a ton of points, much like the Kings. Not one of the better defensive teams in the league. But where they're different is they're just not scoring like the Kings. The Kings are a good offense. Defense has gotten better. still needs a lot of work. But the Kings still give up a decent amount of points. So do the Pelicans. The Pelicans don't score like the Kings. So I don't know if it just wants to turn into an old-fashioned track meet. But what we had mentioned before on the struggles of De'Aaron Fox, playing off the ball quite a bit this year, could this be a game you, you change things up a little bit and put the ball in his hands more? He's really thrived in the past against New Orleans. I think it would be great to see this team, uh, team get out and transition. I want to look at some of the numbers in transition this year and just kind of show you how it's gone for the Kings. Game one against the Blazers, 20-2 to two, Sacramento. That was a win. All right, now you play the Jazz for the first time. Kings got 18 transition points that night in the loss here, but gave up 14 in transition. Against the Warriors, uh, it was 17-16, another Kings loss, but very close. Uh, transition points against Phoenix. Kings lost that night in transition, but won the game. And one of the big differences in that game, Kings made nine more threes. I mean, that's something really difficult to overcome. Uh, the first matchup against the Pelicans, transition points, just eight for Sacramento. So that's a number that's got to change drastically. We mentioned the Dallas game where the Kings only got one. Last night it was a little bit better back to 18. So I think that's a key to this offense. And New Orleans isn't a great defense. And certainly if they're without personnel, um, we know in the NBA, not only the next man up, but a wounded team, opportunities for other players that maybe if Ingram truly is out, that they say, okay, this is my night. This is my opportunity to have a career high. This is my chance to prove to the coaching staff that I deserve more reps even when Zion is back and when uh, Brandon Ingram is back in full capacity. And that's the one thing for New Orleans that's probably kicking them right now, the fact that not only Zion's been hurt, but Ingram's been hurt because they probably thought, I mean, they've made their team really in the heart of the team. We talk about some teams changing it on the edges. This team kind of went for it and changed almost the full philosophy. I mean, they were hoping to start Valanchunas with Zion, Ingram, Devontae Graham, and then I'm not sure which other guard they probably were going to go with consistently. Maybe Alexander Walker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, with Josh Hart coming off the bench, Garrett Temple coming off the bench. Um, that sounds better already. You know, Jackson Hayes and some of the, you know, Lewis, some of the other guys that they do count on and do play. But now you had to change the lineup completely, put guys like Herbert Jones in there, who's out tonight, uh, Josh Hart in the starting lineup, who's more than capable of being a starter, but guys like that that you like for their energy off the bench. And so they feel like they're incomplete, and that's why you've got to take advantage of that if you're the Sacramento Kings. Taking on this New Orleans team for a second time without Zion. They will probably be better later. Question is for New Orleans, are they going to be out of the mix already? I mean, at 1-7, let's look at their schedule coming up. This road trip, 
Warriors after this. Dallas, those are on the road. Home for OKC, Brooklyn, Memphis. I mean, when, when you're without your key players, it's tough to look at those games and find a win. They will get wins, but it's tough to predict them ahead of time, where a lot of these games, especially without Ingram and Zion, uh, they're not going to be favored. And for Zion, it's at least two to three more weeks. For Ingram, it's a hip contusion. I don't think it'll be very long. He might go tonight. As we said, he's questionable. But that's kind of a, a, a different look between the two teams, where they are right now. Pelicans have played one more game, but they're one and seven and feel like they are just downhill or running uphill, I guess, at this point, chasing a season that's slipping away already. Kings at three and four have navigated their way through a really difficult schedule and tonight needs to get back in the win column. So it's just a two game slide. Right. And you get back to a win, get your first home court win and you have a home stand where I mean, Charlotte's coming in Friday. That's a fun team above 500. That's bothered the Kings last year badly. Fun team, Indiana, uh, off to a little bit of a slow start, but a well-coached team with Rick Carlisle now. And then Phoenix, second crack at Phoenix. So um, schedule is lighting up a little bit, but the Kings have to do what they've been doing and do it more consistently. And as Coach Walton said, the attention to details. The details is what missing is what is missing right now for the Sacramento Kings. All right, next hour for us, a busy hour, a couple of guests coming. We're actually three more guests to go before we get to, to game night. At 5.30, that'll be with Scott Marsh and the high flyer, Henry Turner. When we come back in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll not only get more perspective on tonight's game with Daniel Salerson from the Pelicans Radio Network, but when we come back, it's Lincoln Kennedy, our weekly visit with Lincoln. Get the very latest from him on what's going on with the Raiders and just everything they're going through right now. And they're still in first place, but certainly this awful story with Henry Ruggs as um, his life will never be the same and unfortunately took the life of someone that just did not have to happen in that awful car crash in the DUI. That happened yesterday morning. But we'll get with Lincoln. That to start the next hour right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.